Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Our God is faithful that we would receive His promises. And a great example of that is the children of Israel receiving the allotment of land, the land of Canaan, that promised land. Now, we saw last week that based upon the request of the people and also a foresight of what was going to be taking place in the future, that there would be some of the children of Israel that would be on the east side of the Jordan River. And I'm talking about Reuben, God, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They were placed there, but tonight in our study, we're going to look at the rest of the tribes of Israel. Those nine and a half that did indeed take possession of the land of Canaan. Now, we need to get something put aside, and that is this. We're talking tonight about nine and a half tribes. How do we figure them? Well, remember something. Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of God, and the half-tribe of Manasseh already received, that's what we talked about last week, they have already received the allotment, their inheritance of that land on the other side, the eastern side of the Jordan. And now we see the rest of the tribes, the half-tribe of Ephraim, which is the half-tribe of Joseph, that they are going to receive with the rest of the sons of Yaakov, their inheritance in specifically the land of Canaan. So we need to understand who is receiving what and primarily in our study tonight in, in Joshua chapter 14, we're going to focus in on Judah, the tribe of Judah, and specifically one of the leaders of the tribes of Judah, a faithful man that we all will remember, Kalev, that is Caleb. And remember how he and Yahshua, these two men, were the ones from that, that older generation that made it into the land. Only these two men. How significant these two men are. And they are at the forefront of the inheritance and the distribution of the land of Canaan, beginning with that tribe of Judah. So take out your Bible and look with me to that location, the book of Joshua, chapter 14. Let's begin in verse 1. It says, Ve'ele, which means, and these. Now, it's understood from context that the these that we're speaking about is these areas, these lands, these places in the land of Canaan that is going to be the basis for the inheritance of these nine and a half tribes. We'll explain more about these tribes in a moment. Look at verse 1. And these, meaning these areas, 
which the children of Israel inherit in the land of Canaan. This is what they inherited in that promised land, which Eleazar the priests and Yahshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers according to the tribes of the children of Israel. It was these individuals who Eleazar, Yahushua, and the heads of the fathers, meaning the leaders of each tribe, of the tribes of Israel. These are the ones who were present in the leadership of the distribution of the land, the land that the children of Israel, these tribes, inherited. Look at verse 2. It says, Begorah, which means with lot or by lot, meaning this. It wasn't based on human desire. It wasn't based upon what seemed right to the people, but by lot, the land was distributed. And we see here, this is accordance with the will of God. Look at verse 2. By lot was their inheritance, just as the Lord commanded in the hand, meaning under the authority of Moses. And then this second verse ends with the phrase, the nine tribes and the half tribe. Now, who are we talking about? Well, remember, we're speaking about the remaining tribes. We've already saw in the previous chapter that Reuben, his tribe, and God, his tribe, and the half tribe of Manasseh, they inherited on the east side of the Jordan River so now there remains nine and a half tribes and we'll see more specifically who we're speaking about but look if you would to verse three for moses gave the inheritance of the two tribes and the half tribe on the other side of the jordan that was already completed that's chapter 13 but pay very close attention this was something that we focused in on extensively last week. But to the Levites, he did not give an inheritance in their midst. So the Levites, they received no inheritance of the land. Now that's going to be qualified in a moment, but they did not receive an inheritance like all the other tribes. Why? Their portion is with the Lord. For they were unique servants of God in that holy place, in the tabernacle and what would follow the temple. So it says, he gave, Moses that is, the inheritance of the two tribes and the half tribe on the east side of the Jordan. But to the Levites, he gave no inheritance with them. Verse 4. 4. The sons of Joseph, they were the two tribes and the half-tribe on the other side of the river. Meaning, remember Joseph. And what Joseph are we speaking about? The one who was sold into slavery in Egypt. And two of his sons are highlighted. Manasseh, we've talked about that tribe, and Ephraim. But these two tribes became under the, the designation of Joseph. And we see here, look carefully, it says here that, that they inherited 
with these two other tribes, that half tribe of Manasseh, and the other half are going to receive in the other side, the western side of the Jordan River. But once more, notice after speaking about Manasseh and Ephraim, these two tribes belonging to the children of Joseph, it says, but again, and they were not given, who were not given, an inheritance, a portion to the Levites in the land. They received nothing but, notice what it says, for, or literally, ki'im, which means rather, the cities to dwell in, in their, and this would be the these courts, and they're not the word for courtyard, but their, their allotment of, of areas for their, their cattle and for their acquisitions, what they acquired, what they purchased. So they did not receive an inheritance, but in cities, they had places where they lived and where their possessions, including their flock, their cattle, could also be. That is the tribe of, of Levites. Now look at verse 5. Just as the Lord commanded Moses, thus the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. So according to always the authority that, that God emplaced in Moses and Moses relayed to the people in that methodology, the land was distributed. Look at now verse 6. Verse 6 in my Bible, there's a space, a gap between the end of verse 5 and verse 6. Why? Because we're dealing with a related but separate issue. We reviewed last week the giving of the land on the eastern side. We are told who received an allotment there, and now who's going to receive an allotment today. And we're going to focus first and foremost on only one tribe in this 14th chapter and as I said, that is the tribe of Judah. Look at verse 6. And the sons of Judah approach to Yeshua in Gilgal. Now, Gilgal is a place that reminds us of redemption because the children of Israel observed Passover there. And this inheritance is being tied to a Passover experience. And let's make that relevant for us. It's only when Yeshua is your Passover lamb that you're going to have an inheritance. And I'm speaking about a kingdom inheritance, an inheritance of rewards and blessings and promises. If you don't have Yeshua as your Passover, then you have no portion in the age to come, no hope of any inheritance. And therefore, it says... And the sons of Judah, they approached to Yahshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Yephuneh, the Kenazee, he spoke unto him. And he says these words. So Kalev, he's speaking to Yahshua. These two men that spied out the, the land 45 years earlier, and this tells us, and we'll come to this in a moment, that there was these 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And now, 
five years have transpired and only now is the land being distributed why five years five years or if the number five is incompletion that which is lacking even though there's inheritance it's not the full inheritance because the full inheritance is a kingdom inheritance this just parallels it's a paradigm for understanding it so we have Kalev speaking to Joshua and he says you know look carefully in the middle of verse 6 and you know literally you have known it's in the past tense you have known the word which the Lord spoke to Moses who is Moses the man of God concerning me and concerning you in Kadesh Barnea now he's speaking about something that Yeshua that's Joshua he knows he heard he remembers of what God said to them as they had entered into land to do something what is that well look at verse 7 being 40 years old I was so when they came to Kadesh Barnea Kalev was 40 years old remember that and 40 is an important number it speaks about transition they were transitioning out of the wilderness into the land this is what God intended but because of faithlessness we find that that transition didn't happen and we'll see why in a moment but he was 40 years old that transition was God's will but the people didn't receive God's will because of faithlessness look at verse 7 and I being 40 years old when Moses sent and who's Moses that servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and this is of course with the other spies the other leaders of the families of Israel that household the fathers and it says and I returned it turn what I returned the word with him just as was with my heart so Caleb is saying you remember what took place on this day when we were called to go out and spy the land I was 40 years of age a reference to what God wanted this transition and I spoke the word that was with me in my heart to him but notice something we see in verse 8 but very important word it's ve it means and but in this conjecture in this context it shows a conjunction of contrast so we have to translate it but but my brethren these were the other people who went up with me what did they do they caused the heart of the people to melt they were not faithful they were faithless because they did not operate under the fear of the lord but the fear of the enemy and he says but again in contrast to them he says but i Mileti. Mileti is a word which means full. And he says, I was full. And that means I wholly followed 
after the Lord my God. He's showing a contrast. When that moment came, <coughs> both him, Caliph, and Yahshua, they were both faithful. And they responded with that proper word. Not doubting, but wanting to take possession of the land where the other spies did not. We all know this. Verse, verse 9. And Moses swore, verse 9, Moses swore, and listen to this, Be'yom ha'hu, on that day. Now, this is a day of judgment, but it's a day of judgment of God's displeasure upon the children of Israel. And Moses swore in that day, saying, Im lo ha'arts, is it not the land which your feet shall shall tread upon it to you it shall be for an inheritance and for your children for forever meaning unto the kingdom and he says for and the implication is because i heard that i believed it and again milati i was full meaning i wholeheartedly followed after the lord my god so what he is saying is that he's different that he trusted in God, that he heard the word of God and believed it. Therefore, he brought back a different report than the other ten, those other ten spies from the children of Israel, the heads of the tribes. Verse 10. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he spoke over and over we're seeing that Kalev is speaking about god's faithfulness and here's the problem the people did not act and behave believing that god was faithful that god is greater than the enemy and we need to pause right now and ask ourselves a question what about us do we believe god is greater than the enemy now, many times I speak about the last days, the end times, and what is going to take place. This, this uh, calendar, not giving dates, but giving an order of events, what prophetically God says is going to happen. And oftentimes people want to know, and this is the right thing, how to be prepared. What should I do? Well, foundationally, it is not so much what you do, but what you believe and how you have prayed. Now, obviously, we should be doing the will of God, walking according to his purposes, serving God, doing the individual ministry, that call he has placed upon our lives. Of course, we should be doing those things. But to be prepared, we need to be praying for strength, praying for discernment, praying, knowing how to test the spirits, and having a prophetic understanding of the events that are beginning and taking place all around us. And that prayer is to be found faithful, to walk under the anointing of the Lord. And notice what it says here, verse 10. And now, behold, the Lord has sustained me, meaning he's kept me alive. Just as he, he said, these 40 and 5, so 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word 
to Moses, which the children of Israel has walked in the wilderness. So, 40 years of walking in the wilderness, an additional five years of beginning to take possession of the land, these wars, these battles that we've talked about. So, they came to Gilgal five years ago, and now there's a fulfillment. Joshua is being spoken to by his friend Caleb, Caleb about God fulfilling his word. He's kept him alive. He's brought him to this place. And now there's a fulfillment. There's an expectation that Joshua is going to agree with what was said. He's heard it. He's witnessed it as Moses said it and how it relates to Caleb. There's going to be a distribution in a special way to him look now if you would to the last part of verse 10 where it says and now behold i this day am 85 years so he was 40 years when they were in kadesh barnea when they went to spy the land and now 40 plus an additional 45 he's 85 but i want you to see what being faithful produces look at the next verse verse 11. odani this means i am still i am still behold or excuse me i am still today strong just as in the day that moses sent me i love that verse he says even though now 45 years later i'm just as strong today as i was the day that moses sent me and according to my strength then literally it's the word power according to my power then also according to my power now meaning there's no difference those 45 years have not weakened me he says i'm still ready for what notice what he says i'm still ready now for what for war to go out meaning to go out to battle and to come back meaning to come back victoriously this is a man of faith this is not someone who is looking forward to his golden years his retirement but this is one who is committed thoroughly to the purposes of god he says i'm 85 i'm ready for war i'll go out and i'll come back just as i was 45 years ago i have that same strength that same call that same commitment this is kalev and notice what's going to happen look if you would to verse 12 and now give me the mountain this mountain which the lord spoke in that day now apparently there was a promise made to kalev because of his faithfulness in that day he was going to receive a very important mountain and that mountain is a city that has a very significant history it is the city of the patriarchs meaning this the patriarchs are buried there and i'm speaking about avram and yitzchak and yaakov also sarah rivka and and leah we remember that that uh, rachel she died at the crossroads crossroads near bethlehem at ephrata 
So her tomb is not in Hebron, it's not far, but it's not in Hebron, but the patriarchs and their wives, again, Abraham and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, and also Jacob and Leah, Yaakov and Leah. They're all there in this city that I'm going to speak of. Look again, verse 12. And now give to me this mountain, which the Lord spoke on that day, for you have heard on that day. Now, I hope you're hearing Beyom Hahu. Beyom Hahu is judgment. And this is God's faithfulness to give what He's promised. This is why judgment is oftentimes good. It's not speaking about here discipline. Why? Kalev. He has not lived in a way that produces God's discipline upon him but he wants judgment and what is that vindication he wants the outcome of faithfulness and that is another aspect of judgment day we're going to receive the outcome the payment of our faithfulness so he says all of verse 12 and now give to me this mountain which the Lord spoke on that day for you have heard on that day for, and notice this, the Anakim were there. This is those great, large giants. The word Anak means a giant. Anakim in the plural. There was an abundance of giants in Hebron. Now, the Hasidim teach, it is because of the spiritual significance of Hebron. You'll recall that uh, when we look at the book of First and Second Samuel, David began his reign not from Jerusalem. He ruled seven years and six months in Hebron. And only after completing those seven years and six months did he move for the remaining 33 years of his rule to Jerusalem. First, Hebron. And what we see is Hebron is foundational there is a spiritual foundation at hebron and we see why here this is the place that the giants that is the enemy made their big stand against the children of israel where they brought fear and the people gave priority to the giants instead of being faithful to god with one main one main exception and that was was Kalev with his friend Joshua. Both of them, but Kalev was at the center of, of being faithful. So he says here, verse 12, For you have heard on that day that the giants were there. And what did they have? Great and fortified. This word means strongholds, citadels, fortified cities, great and fortified cities. And what happens? Well, it says, look at the last part of verse 12, Ulai. Ulai is a word that means perhaps or maybe. And I believe it's being used here in a, a scoffing manner. Meaning, is this how God speaks? Perhaps, maybe? See, this is the problem. We don't understand that God, when he says yes to something, when he promises it, he will give it. So look at what it says, last part of verse 13. Perhaps the Lord 
that I have caused them to inherit uh, is this what God said perhaps I will cause them to inherit no there's no perhaps there's no maybe there is assurance God gave the commandment and notice how this this verse ends kasher diber Hashem just as the Lord spoke so God did not say perhaps or maybe but God cause he made me to inherit them just as he spoke this is god nothing doubtful nothing uncertain god doesn't say maybe i'll do this perhaps i will we know the truth verse 13. now after kalev says this reminding them of the stance that he took that his family meaning this he was the one that said we can take Hebron. we can take this area what area the land of judah and now when he says it's time for us to inherit that land this is what he's reminding the uh, people of first and foremost joshua and what did joshua do look at verse 13 and yahshua he blessed him and he gave Hebron this very important city now Hebron the place of the patriarchs and the matriarchs why well what was unique about them they had faith they believed in the promises of God and Hebron comes from a Hebrew word which means to join together and the implication is this when we have faith like the patriarchs had faith we will see ourselves being joined together with the promises of God that we will have that inheritance that God has said that we would inherit it all speaks Hebron of the faithfulness of God look again and Yeshua blessed him and he gave him Hebron gave Hebron to Kalev the son of Yefune for an inheritance verse 14 therefore Hebron was to Kalev the son of Yefune the Kenazite for an inheritance unto this day why why did he inherit this this place of of power this place of significance well notice what it says Ya'an which means because because he was full he was full meaning he wholly wholly followed after the lord the god of israel now that is the third time that the scripture speaks about kalev being full full of what full of faith and it was this fullness of faith that caused him to follow fully after the lord god and it's that type of faith that brings about an inheritance that brings about unity that's what Hebron is about a joining together between God and his people through an inheritance through the blessings the promises of God one more verse and we'll be done verse 4 15. and the name of Hebron formally now if you read the book of genesis you will find this that that hebron had a former name a previous name and what was that 
Kiryat Arba. Kiryat means the city of. It's another biblical word for city. So it's the city of Arba. Now, normally we hear that word Arba written in this way and we think of four. But notice what it says here. Kiryat Arba is not the city of four, but it says the great man of the giants among the Anakim, the giants, was he. So it speaks about Arba was a great man among the giants. And therefore the city was named after him. Now we need to understand something. That number four relates to the world. It is not by chance that that Hebron was called Kirat Arba. And it's not by chance that this great giant is, is related to the world. What happens is this. What the scripture is telling us is this. We give way too much credence, too much authority, too much attention, too much priority to the world. Kalev did not. He saw all of these giants. He saw this man Arba when they were going to take possession of the land and it did not change what God has said. What did God say? He said, all the land where your foot treads, I am giving to you for an inheritance. God said it. What was unique about Kalev? He believed it and he believed it and his life reflected it. He went there to receive it. And now God is faithful. According to that word, on that day, Beyom Hahu, Judgment Day, Kalev is receiving what God has promised. So don't give the world the priority. Give the word the priority, not the world, but the word of God priority. Submit to that. Make the word of God your priority so you receive. And notice the last part. And it says, Veha arts shakta mi milchama, which means, and the land, it was quieted from war. It was because of the faithfulness of Kalev. When he took possession of Hebron, it brought about a quietness. Now, let me wrap up this session by saying this. It is so important that Israel, I'm speaking about the leaders of Israel, the political leaders, and also the spiritual leaders, that they understand the significance of Hebron. And Hebron today is a city that is, uh, well, there's approximately, and there's different accountings, but, but somewhere around a half million Arabs living there, what the world calls Palestinians, what I call sons of Esau, Edomites. And how many Jewish people live there? There's a small community of a few hundred that live in Hebron. And there's a settlement near Hebron called Kiryat Arba, that name from the Bible, where there's several thousand Jewish people living. But in Hebron proper, only a few 
hundred. And and these individuals to me are heroes. They risked their life. There has been in the past massacres of Jewish people living in Hebron. There is a, a great hostility and tension in that city against the Jewish people. And unfortunately, many secular Israelis, they don't see the reason why those settlers are there. They understand how foundational Hebron is to the purposes of God. And that those who have big faith like Caleb had big faith, they don't look at the enemy and waver they trust in the word of god so hebron a highly significant place in israel's history but also uniquely related to the promised land and the inheritance and the giving out of that land to the children of israel and i personally believe that hebron will play a major role in the last days unless we see the jewish people understanding the significance of hebron and conquering it and taking it back there will not be peace in the world not according to the peace that god wants to establish throughout the world a kingdom peace hebron foundational spiritually for the will of god while well, close with that Chag Sameach to all of you. Happy holidays. Until next week, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.